Hey guys, it's Jess here, and I have a special guest. Hello, I'm Anne Bellano. I'm a journalist. Uh, Anne and I have known each other for quite a few years. We worked together um, for a couple years. She was my yes, we did. She's my boss lady. Uh, yes, briefly, I was. Yes, <laughs> saw me crying a lot of conference rooms. Yes, yes, closed door. Always. Closed door. Always. You're very professional about your I was crying. A really yeah. discreet crier. It was only you could tell if my face was bright red and like. You know, yes, leaving like that. the conference rooms was always <laughs> it, it was it was your tell and that you had been crying. I wish I was the only one who cried in conference rooms at our company. Oh no, it was a <laughs> kind of very punishing job for a lot of people. You were not the only person to cry. So neither of us is there anymore. No, no, we've moved on. <laughs> so um, yeah, let's get into sort of what happened after you left left our shared unnamed company. Exactly. Let's leave it anonymous. Um, so I moved. If people did the slightest <laughs> bit of research, yes. they could yes. find it. You um, don't care. Don't find me on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> so I moved from Chicago to New York um, to work for Bloomberg TV. And I worked there until I got a position um, as a producer at Al Jazeera America, um, where I worked uh, as a live TV producer, as well as handling some planning and longer term projects um until its closure last april which was 100 percent your fault right oh yes yes well i did get there and then six weeks later it was announced that we were closing so i i felt a little God, responsible that had to feel yeah. personal <laughs> oh, i think every, <laughs> everyone took it personally it was a very uh sarcastic newsroom for a few months which actually was kind of uh fun in a producer well, kind of wise. senioritis sort of deal, right? I mean, no, we really oh, worked really? hard until the end. We did, but it was a lot of like uh, frustration to say, oh, good, I'm here again today. Great. We're kind of, you know, yeah. it's, yeah, but it was, it was fun. It was kind of like, well, you make friends with people when you're on a sinking ship together, yeah. right? They're God. like, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's, so you had about three months. No, it was like six months. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, when they yeah. told you that, that yeah. it was closing. Yep. Um, yep. And what spiraling happened, I'm sure. Yes. Soul searching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I decided, though, that I wasn't going to apply for any other network jobs. And instead, I was going to do which what I've wanted to do for a long time, which mm-hmm. is to uh, freelance in the field. Um, and so after our closure, I... And this was... Give me a time period... Uh, for this was mid April, mid April of of last year. Holy yeah, shit, it was a year ago I know, already. I know. I remember it's crazy. A lo- Anne and I had a lot of G chat conversations. Yeah, about, we like, did. Hopes and dreams, <laughs> and <laughs> crushed dreams. Yeah, and, and feeling like it was and, the end. Yeah, when it, yeah. Oof. Um, so, so you decided to <laughs> yeah, travel. So I did. Yeah. So um, I went to South America and reported from there. Um, I first went to Brazil and then Colombia and Venezuela. Um, and I was in Brazil. I wanted to start there because of the Rio Olympics. So I went, Mm. went to Rio. Yeah. Um, so what was that experience? Did you have specific goals that you're like, I want to go and this is the story I'm looking for? Were you just willing to, was it a very hippie, Um, like, (laughs) no, I mean, there is an element where like you can plan as much as you want and then you get there and like, Oh, that's not the real story. Like I thought that Zika was actually going to be a story when I got there and it wasn't, it really wasn't. Um, Turned into that douchebag swimmer. What's his name? Oh my God. Ryan Lochte with the hair that he thought was blue, but was really silver. He was the worst, (laughs) wasn't he? Yeah. I saw him swim. He, uh, is that okay? His looks do not hurt. No, um, but no, I think he he still just looked so dumb with that hair. No, he looked terrible. Just sidebar, but 
Is swimming that exciting to watch in person? Yeah, it or was is. Was it exciting? It actually I guess, was really exciting. Like the theater of yeah, because also you can see there's like a set beginning and end, and there's no scoring, so oh. there, it's not like I mean I would have loved to see gymnastics, but you know where you're like, is it? It's not out of ten. It's out yeah. of sixteen. I know it's been that way for many years, but I still can't keep track. So it actually was really fun. Um, but yes, yeah, so while I was down there, I wanted to cover not the Olympics, I am not a sports reporter, um, but more like the humanitarian issues and corruption issues mm-hmm. in Brazil because people would actually be paying attention. Yeah, and so. I mean, were you looking to lock in that sort of Olympics story with the corruption? Because there's obviously corruption there was going a lot. on. There was a lot, and there were also just, I mean, every Olympics has its challenge. <laughs> Has this many challenges? Um, well, but our in last Rio, two like, have been questionable choices, yes. and questionable financial decisions. Oh yes, I think it was something like sixty million dollars just went missing oh, in sure. Brazil. I was like, oh okay, well there goes that. But the the water was filthy. Oh, I forgot about like that. There, what was it? It was like a kayaking team that ran into a couch. No, like that actually happened. Yeah, I can't remember if it was. Or like windsurfing, it was obviously some Is water-based surfing. Is windsurfing an Olympic I, I sport? I think it might be. Oh God, oh. don't fact check me. <laughs> this is not um, important. I'm not the journalist as a reporter here. to know the facts. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this was. God, we're recording this on um, March something. Oh, international. Hey. Uh, all right, it's, uh, International Women's Day. So yes, it is. Cheers to International cheers Women's to Day that with our. Not wine. No, no, no. This is professional water. They're, actually, I have done a podcast where I got hammered drunk, so <laughs> this is not a strange it's fine. thing. Anyway, it's fine. let's talk about me more. Um, <laughs> so we were talking about the Olympics. yeah. So I was um, in Brazil, and yeah. I, um, you know, I, it was a really interesting contrast. You know, the favelas um, that were just filled with poverty mm-hmm. and violence, and then twenty minutes away was Ipanema. Which is just like such concentrated wealth mm-hmm. and trendy restaurants and you know people with Rolexes and just such wealth and the disparity was really shocking. You, you don't speak Portuguese, do you? No, I don't. Oh. And I had this foolish idea that my very bad Spanish might translate a little. <laughs> it did oh, not, you and I sweet wasn't. I know. Child. <laughs> um, but I thought I could pick up a little bit, and I just was hopeless the whole time. So I had to make friends and use translators and sure. everything. So. That's but crazy. Yeah. So yeah. how do you? Okay. So you don't know any Portuguese. You don't right. know anybody in yeah. Rio. Yeah. So what do you do? You just walk up to people like, "Hi, I'm American. Can I interview you?" Um. It starts with uh, kind of quieter conversations. So you just start to talk to somebody about their experience. Uh-huh. Um. Hope they. You know English. what they're. Yeah. But then also like, what do you as a local see as the real issues here? Mm-hmm. So like, what's what's the deal here? And then yeah, also walking around. Wealthy neighborhoods, a little dodgier neighborhoods, um, and I was doing Airbnb, and I just stayed in like a, a different neighborhood with each booking, so mm-hmm. I got to see more of the city. But then actually, I met another reporter, and he set me up with his translator. Oh who, wow! Yeah, and so that's how I got access to the favelas because this was uh, all the red light district. This is all self-funded, right? You yeah, didn't, so was, you didn't have the backing of any network or, or no, news outlet. You were no. just like. Taking my severance. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. If if I hadn't been laid off, I would never have been able to afford it, which is, you know, kind of funny. But it's definitely a bittersweet situation. Very bittersweet. Yeah, I still miss it. So yeah. Uh, So what? I guess what surprised you the most? Hmm. I think it really was the level of wealth disparity, Mm -hmm. um, but how concentrated geographically it was. Mm -hmm. 
that, like I said, there was Ipanema and Copacabana mm-hmm. and huge high-rise hotels, amazing restaurants, seaside, and then 20 minutes away on the bus, one of so many favelas. Yeah. They're everywhere. They're not even in Copacabana. You can walk to a favela. Basically, if it start, if you start to go uphill, you're going to end up in a favela. And would you equate... So we both live in Chicago. Would you mm-hmm. equate it to, like, you can walk out of the loop and into some really dodgy areas? Or Gold Coast is, like, butted up against... It used to be... Gold Coast used to be basically touching um, Gabrini Green. Right, it, right. Do you, is it even more... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's much more stark. I mean, you know, Chicago has many, many issues and poverty and violence, obviously. Mm-hmm. Ask Trump. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't have, Yeah, well, I made it uh, 10 minutes without <laughs> mentioning him. Yeah, um, but the the kind of poverty was way more extreme. Um, you know, people living in barely what you could consider houses, some without plumbing, um, mud as, as streets. And of course there's always, it's like cities within cities, you know, even within the favelas, Mm -hmm. there are kind of better parts of it than others. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's, that is interesting. It's like, you can be on a dirt road with no plumbing and, just really horrible conditions and then kind of come out of a street and there are restaurants and there's a grocery store and there are people on bikes and you know, it's not all horrifying poverty, but there is the poverty there is, is very stark. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. And I think we, there is something that become, you become a little bit accustomed to a certain level of, of poverty just based on kind of where you live. Like I lived in uptown for six years and right, it, right. there was, I and mean, we were right next door to, I think it was just a mental health facility or something. Kitty Methadone corner, clinics right there. Mm-hmm, Kitty yeah. corner from a church where that served as a, um, um, a homeless shelter. Um, and so you get pretty used to it. So it's almost hard to imagine that you go somewhere, I mean, which is uh, so naive, like even saying it out loud, like that's such a naive thing to say, but it's, I can't, I don't know. I well, can't it isn't, it isn't though, because it's, it's your experience and your surroundings and yeah, living in uptown Chicago does come with real challenges. There's mm-hmm. a lot of homelessness. There's a lot of mental health issues, a lot of drug addiction mm-hmm. and that is not to be underestimated, but yeah, I do find that, you know, it's still definitely is shocking mm-hmm. when you go to a different country and see it because it's also a totally different life mm-hmm. um, and different lives that these people leave, lead. So. so, so you went, so you went down to, to Rio to just sort of kind of feel out what was going on there and yeah. in, in terms of the Olympics and, and what was going on with that. Was that what you ended up writing about and, and yeah, reporting so I, yeah, I wrote about um, the favelas <clears throat> and then I also wrote about, um, the red light district in mm. Rio. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an interesting experience. I, <laughs> people were, uh, very distressing to me, obviously, because I was a woman who was there who wasn't a sex worker yeah. and people saw me and they were, you couldn't know, place you, could, like, couldn't, they, couldn't categorize you. I mean, yeah. And as soon as I took my phone out to start to take pictures, which phones are so helpful because they're way more discreet. Um, no, people started like waving me away. Oh. But I was able to talk to um, a few sex workers, and it was it was really incredible to see their lives and how they had come to be where they were. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of drug addiction, but it was also these women had been completely tricked into getting there. And one woman had thought she was signing up to go work at a grocery store. And instead she Fuck. was brought to the red light district. 
And Jesus Christ. And where where was she brought in? Was she Brazilian or was she? Yeah, she was. So she was just brought from kind of a more rural area. And then on the first day she was there, they gave her cocaine and they just kept giving it to her until she was hooked. And then this is now her income and what um, a portion of it goes to. And then, of course, sends money home to her kids and Mm -hmm. her family. But yeah, so that was interesting. That's, I think, the most depressing thing I've ever heard in my entire like. It was, but the I thing cannot. is, the women themselves were so upbeat. They were funny. They were smart. They were beautiful. Like they were these really incredible spirited women in these horrible conditions. Yeah, and they were funny. I mean, the way they talked about their work was hilarious. Yeah, because I wanted to go there also because of the Olympics and whether they would start to see people. And they're like, oh yeah, we see people from France, we see them from the United States, people from Spain. You just learn a couple of words in different languages. They're like, oh, I'm practically fluent. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. I w- they were really and they were okay talking great. to you. Yeah, they were. They really wanted to share their stories. That's what I found is. Um, you know, it can be kind of hard to approach people sure. in certain situations, um, but most people want to tell their stories. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a truth that is makes. I mean, I think makes what you do possible because if people are too closed off, but people do, they want to talk and they want people to hear their experience, especially mm-hmm. if they're in such a misunderstood or maligned industry like sex work that they, you know, they didn't. Yeah, they wanted their stories this. out they, there. They know everybody that they're has underrepresented. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so you are in Brazil for how long? I was there for about uh, six weeks, okay. and then I went to Colombia. Colombia. Yeah. How was that? That was wonderful. Yeah. I absolutely fell in love with Colombia. Really? Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, the people were really nice. Everything, it just felt very welcoming. Your Spanish was more helpful. It, definitely. <laughs> it was still minimal, but I could get around, ask for directions, order uh, a meal mm-hmm. without feeling like a total idiot. Um, and what were you after when you went to Colombia? So this was um, the months preceding a peace deal mm-hmm. between the um, FARC, the Colombian Armed Forces, the rebel group, mm-hmm. um, and the government. And it had been 50 years in the making. And um, just kind of seeing what people felt and um, I talked to some former child soldiers who Jesus. had been um, involved. I mean, they were, again, the people who get into this, they're either raised, one girl who I met was raised in like a rebel supporting family. And so it was like a way of life for them. Mm-hmm. And so when she was 10, she signed up because her father had and his father had and all of this. And, um, and then another, yeah, and... You know, you. it was interesting to talk to them because a large part of why people were against the peace deal and ultimately voted against it, which was really shocking to me, but a big part of the reason why people were against it was because it basically gave um, some amnesty to these people in a certain respect to the rebels. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> being angry about that with people at the top, I understand, mm-hmm. Um but can you really punish these people who are now in their 20s and mm-hmm. they were recruited when they were 10? And they don't know anything else. And Yeah, and not only that, but they escaped. Both of these people Jeez. had incredible escape stories. One guy had tricked his commander into letting him scope out a town that they were going to go to, and instead he ditched the person he was with, stole a car, and drove to Bogota. And as soon as he got there, he was captured again. Jesus and and like this person, is this who we want to put in prison? Uh, but I also understand, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people were killed mm-hmm. by this group. 
over the last 50 years. So how can you, both sides really made sense to me. It was very complicated. Well, I think that's always a really super compelling thing to talk about because I think there's definitely parallels to say like gang violence and things like that here mm-hmm. is like when you look at it in the big picture, like, yeah, we need to address this, but it's not that simple. They're, it's not a mass group. It's each person has a story as to why they got there. And it Absolutely. generally starts with a lack of education and a lack of resources growing up. Mm-hmm. And you do what you have to do to survive. And that's what you have to do. Right. I mean, when they're being completely ignored by the government mm-hmm. and these rebels come to them, mm-hmm. this militant group, and they're the ones feeding them. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones getting them jobs and helping them build their homes. I mean, who is your allegiance going to be to? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, really quick, because my podcast is supposed to be about religion, I sometimes okay. forget. <laughs> um, can you speak to, did you have a, so obviously Rio has the big Christ the Redeemer yes. statue. Yeah. Is is that reflective of how religious that city is on the ground, or is it more of a showpiece? Is that a dumb thing to say? About no, a it's not. It's, it's not. It's not dumb at all. Um, in Rio, Rio is a really big city that stresses um, dance and culture and art and music. And so, no, I didn't find that to be pressing for most people. Yeah. I mean, they have this gigantic mega church, which is so bizarre to see. Um, it's it's huge. It's I, the largest church I've ever seen. Really? Um, yeah. Did you go inside? Yeah. What does yeah, it look I like just walked inside. inside. It's almost, it's like cone-shaped kind of, and huge glass, you know, stained glass windows. Uh-huh. And, and it's just open to the public. I mean, it's, it's fine to walk into, sure. but, you know, then it's... It's a church that was built in like the 70s, so it's not like super <laughs> exciting to look at the architecture. Sure. I was like, okay, this looks good. Oh, Took yeah, a little yeah. break from the heat and then walked back out. I mean, oh my God. Uh, but in Colombia, yes, the Catholicism there is way stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, shrines, especially to uh, Mary and mm-hmm. um, lots of, I mean, religious iconography, lots and lots of it. Um, but I don't. I didn't experience a lot of zealots. You know, it's more cultural. Mm-hmm. I, is there any um, alineation between like the rebel groups are more Catholic or less Catholic or more this, more that, or is religion not, not really? A, not a yeah, part of I think it's just that the country is Catholic, basically. Sure, and people take that to whatever mm-hmm. you know extreme they want. Isn't it interesting that isn't there? a study or something, God, I'm so glad I did research, <laughs> about if a country has an official religion, the religiosity of people, is it, it's not always reflected. Like, England has the National right. Church yeah. of England. Anglican, yeah. Anglican. I'm so smart. Um, but people <laughs> well, okay, if, the like, whole... the queen is the head of it, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, on a whole, England is not very right. religious, whereas the U.S. is the U.S. Yes, it sure is. And our life is happening to us anyway. And that was, yeah, I don't know about that study or those specifics, but that wouldn't totally surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. No fact checking. Okay. No. Yeah. If you want facts, no, that's not true. This is anyway. um, We're good. We're good. good. So we kind of talked about this off mic and I know you don't want to get into your next project quite yet Mm -hmm. because you haven't been funded, but you originally were going to go to Mexico and, Yes. Do some journalism there. And then what happened? What, um, what kept this you here? thing in November, November followed November by... November 2016? Yeah. I don't yeah, Something about that. I was busy that day. Uh, <laughs> I was blackout drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I was busy the next day. That's for sure. Oh, um, shit. No, we, I you mean, and I were texting you know, all night, yes, weren't we? Uh, quietly in despair. Yes. Um, oh, so, yeah, my next plan um, was going to be in Mexico. I was ready 
I was planning for this. Um, and even as far as January, um, I was planning that. And then after inauguration, it did become clear that I never thought I would say this, but America is the front line now in terms of politics and, um, globalism. So now I'm planning a more long-term reporting trip in the States, which is something I really didn't think I would do. This election really did change the course of my career. Yeah. I think it's changed a course of many people's lives. So many people and things and lives and my personal depression. Yes. Um, Right. I mean, sure, my career has changed, but my... I'm reporting on people's lives who are directly affected or who caused this or Mm -hmm. whatever role they played. Yeah. Well, we were having a conversation um, earlier about the whole middle America thing and that we, we underestimated them. And I get that to some, I I do like it's very clear that there was a voice that felt unheard. I am continually being more and more of the opinion that like, people talk about the liberal bubble and I know I'm not the first part. This isn't like a hot take, but people talk about, Oh, the liberal, your liberal bubbles in New York and in California. But like everybody I know who's liberal has like a diverse group of friends and experiences. And so I think to call that a bubble is kind of a misnomer. Whereas when I lived in Montana or lived in Indiana, yeah, I was shocker surrounded by white Christian people. Mm-hmm. And so I, there's a part of me, I don't know. I, I'm a generally empathetic person by nature. So there's a part of me who really wants to say like, okay, these people felt like they weren't being heard. They felt like they were being left behind, but I just can't muster up sympathy. Do you think that makes me a bitch? No, I don't. Okay. I think it is totally representative. That's not of the reason how... I'm a bitch. There's other <laughs> no. reasons. No. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, you guys should hear her off mic. She's <laughs> terrible, terrible person. I, Evan and I did a show that was like advice or whatever, and I prefaced everything with like, you have to understand, I'm an asshole. So I'm going to tell you guys from my asshole point, because these are all people like trying to do really delicate balances with their family. I'm like, no, fuck up. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, total jerk. You're such uh, a dick. I regret this interview. I don't. This is the best. I'm so happy to see you. I know. I'm so happy to see you, too. um, I can't remember if we said it in this room. I did fuck up our first draft of this. Yes, we had a a rough draft. We had a rehearsal. And it was rough. (laughs) Yeah, I think we came back better. No, I think so, too. So the only reason I bring that up is to to say that um, I can't remember if we said it then or now. Oh, no. But the last time you and I saw each other was for Hillary Clinton's... Yes, um, it was. ...her primary win mm-hmm. in New York. And we came over and we ate Indian food and we drank wine. Yes, we did. And cried through her speech. <laughs> and, like, did. we it were did. having, like, the most hand-holding women power evening. It was such a great it evening. It was so nice. We it was wonderful. West Side Story, I think. Oh, God, did we? Yeah. I mean, I love that. Yeah. I mean, so like, I wouldn't be surprised it, if we it did watch with that. the thing we would do. Yeah, it does. <laughs> that seems like on track for us. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny how, and that was when, was it July? July. July-ish. Yeah. And it's March now. And like how, God, holy shit. Have we not seen each other in almost a year? Yeah. That's awful. Yeah, it really is. Well, it's your fault. I know. God, how dare I? God, is this really interesting, guys? Um, <laughs> yes. Anyway, again, all that's to say that, like, the world has changed in such a dramatic way. It really has. Since last you and I spoke and the 
mood of everything is different. And I, do you feel hopeless? I feel, ho- I'm in a hopeless place right now. It really varies day by day. Yeah. Um, not hopeless. I think, and, and I say hopeless, like in a very like personal me dealing with it and my own like yeah. depression issues. It feels very hopeless. It's not that I don't think we'll ever get back on track. Just want to make that clear. I don't yeah. think, yeah. I don't think the, the country is literally going to burn the ground. I don't think. Don't think though is like, I never thought we would have to qualify that with like, maybe though. But probably not. But maybe. But maybe. Um, yeah. I think what I try to focus on is, um, first of all, just as a journalist, obviously staying as up to date on everything as possible and to go straight to the legislation. How do you do it without going fucking bonkers? Um, you don't, do I it. don't do it. I just, I do it. You drink and wine. I, my, my evenings are very full. Um, <laughs> no, but I find, um, that while paying strict attention to that and every piece of legislation that goes through and going to the source, going to congress.gov uh-huh. and looking at every piece of legislation that comes through, that's where I most, horrified and every time but Trump's not horrified tweets like, or says anything or lies just outright lies that's where I feel like what is going on mm-hmm. but the thing that I try to focus on as something to keep me sane mm-hmm. is Russia because I this issue with Russia mm-hmm. is not even close to done is it is not even close to unraveled uh-huh. the government is leaking like crazy mm-hmm. and Trump pissed off the press mm-hmm. and intelligence agencies. Those are the two groups that you should definitely not piss off. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a really interesting conversation to, you know, so as somebody who's working in journalism um, right now, obviously it's not like you're part of the press corps, but there is certainly an element of pe- both the president maligning the news or people saying CNN is fake news or like whatever kind of garbage they're saying. How does that change your job as a journalist? Um, There's a level of distrust that I haven't experienced before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, partially working for Al Jazeera in Uh the States. Sure. um, Yeah. I experienced a lot of people like, Oh, interesting. Like, Oh, they should have changed the name. How did they not change the name? But so I, I have experienced some of that, but a general distrust of mainstream media. And when did mainstream media become this bad thing? Like, oh, people with a past and a a dedicated, you know, history of responsible reporting. Right. And this uh, is now a bad thing. Right. And degrees and experience. And I mean, I think we also, uh, I think that we are living right now in sort of a time that is really reflexive of the last, I think, 10 years, and, and at the time it didn't feel like this, but the last 10 years have been increasingly a time where, like, knowledge is valued and, and education is valued, I mm-hmm. think, more than anything before people generally ex- are expected to go to college, whereas, you know, 20 years ago that certainly wasn't the case. So I think this is sort of a, um, um, what's this hand motion that I'm doing? I'm not quite sure. I know, nobody knows. <laughs> like a, a re- reflex, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, ricochet keeps staying in my head. Yeah, not it. Yeah. Um, about backlash. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> there we go. Two professional writers yeah, finally came up with a word. <laughs> um, who had uh, a backlash against? Oh, this person is. And to me, it's so goddamn bonkers because what I feel like we're hearing are people who look at somebody like you, masters 
experienced journalism, mm-hmm. anybody who's been in politics, who's done it for a long time. And yeah, of course there's dicks in, in Congress. Like there's oh, no, many. no, just so many. Yes. But that has gotten like lumped up into this. If you have experience, you are necessarily and big quote fingers here, part of the system. Right. But we're seeing right now, you put somebody in who has no government experience and like, he Why do you know. want this? Why do you want he, this kind of inexperience? I don't see how... Well, it's the same way that education now means elitism. Oh, yeah. And experience is now corruption. And right. Uh, right. I don't want a president that doesn't know what they're doing. I want somebody who maybe is a lawyer, yeah. maybe has a background in both public and private service. Maybe he's read the maybe Constitution before. Maybe has international experience. Yeah. Maybe has domestic experience. And I'm sorry, I think I just described Hillary Clinton, but, um, I, yeah, but so you want somebody with experience. I mean, this is like with any job you want somebody with, it just is baffling to me, but I think that this is also part of the problem of people in middle America. And this is what my next project will partially explore is that these uh, people who are not educated Mm -hmm. and see people with, um, undergraduate or graduate degrees as elite, you know, these people not only don't have necessarily college degrees, but they have poor education mm-hmm. systems that they've been entrenched in this whole time. And yet... And a lack of critical thinking skills. Lack of critical thinking skills. And it, I think it all comes back to education. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Republicans have been the ones who have been blocking responsible education. And this rabid base mm-hmm. is a consequence of that. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also an element, because it's just kind of impossible to not link in people who are very religious with people who are less educated. And I know that's, by, and I want to make it very clear, I understand that's by no means not every person to a T, but... Of course. The Bible Belt, which tends to be lower, you know, less educated, also tends to be more religious. Middle America, same thing. And I... Obviously, I'm making very broad strokes, but like just for ease of conversation. Sure. Um, And I think there's an element of when you go to church, and this is kind of a half-baked idea, so stop me if I sound like I'm going off the rails. Absolutely. When you go off, when you you grow up in a church, you go to church every Sunday and you listen to somebody who is teaching you morals or giving you guidance or whatever but really speaks in broad strokes, really says, like, you need to be a better person in general and doesn't say, like, these are four steps you can take. Again, yeah, very much generalization. But when you are raised listening to, like, one authoritarian figure... I was, yeah, authoritarian, I think, is the key there. Yeah, and he knows, and he knows better than us, and we don't need... They don't need, you know, here are my six plans to to fix your finances. It's right. keep tithing and finance yeah. will come keep to tithing, you. Yeah. So I think there's an element of, um, you know, if you grow up religious, there's more emotion tied into what you believe and what you follow. Whereas like I wasn't religious growing up. I don't know if you, I, I it was, yeah. I went to Catholic school until eighth grade. Oh, really? And yeah, I was confirmed. I was an altar server oh. of the year. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. 2002, Whoa. not Sorry. to brag. I but, didn't realize um, I was in the presence of royalty. Yeah, I handled candles pretty well. Did you? Yeah. What yeah. does an altar server do? You're there during the mass. And instead of being in the congregation, you're up on the altar wearing some robes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you, like, help the priest. And 
honestly, for okay, me, just it really was quick. so, I know it is, right? No, but it was <laughs> way more enjoyable because I had an activity. Sure. I had constant activities. I was like, okay, well, in five minutes, I've got to ring the bells. And then I've got to <laughs> grab the wafers that, by the way, come in packages like an Oreo sleeve. <laughs> There you do. And just, you know, you could snack on them in the rectory no, if you wanted. You? No, no, they taste like paper. I didn't want that. They, um, but yeah, it, it was just activity for me. And then, of course, I went to high school and was pretty rapidly like, eh, I'm not so interested in this, you know. Are you um, folks? Don't we know how to talk too much about your parents? Are they still Catholic? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, you know, it's Catholic in like a, yes, we believe this. We were raised this way. Um but no, there's no like strictness. Okay. No Catholic kind of Ness. guilt. Well, that's just built guilt. in. If you go yeah. to Catholic school, it just comes for free. Yeah, why were we just talking about guilt before? I don't know. Off we? mic, we already said something about Catholic guilt. Not sure. Really interesting podcast. Yeah. Um. So how do we get onto this? I said. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. So yeah. um. So following things with your uh, believing things with your emotions as opposed to uh, by facts. And yes, I wasn't raised with any kind of religion so i i mean obviously you see the appeal everybody has seen a really amazing sermon or speech or whatever and like you cannot help but be moved yes but like or when you're in a time of desperation and just thinking i mean i found myself even after the election thinking god i almost wish i had like a spiritual life to just be able to at least mm -hmm. think about or do. And then that obviously went out of my mind very quickly. Um, <laughs> but I understand the the need for guidance. Yeah. I really do. And the problem is it comes from the same person every week in the same building every week, spouting the same morals every week and not giving you any sort of paths mm -hmm. to actual change. Change, yeah. But what I, I mean... In terms of religion and, and just also the electorate, I mean, if you have lost your job and feel left behind by the country, by the economy, by education, by the liberal elite, if you feel like minorities are taking your jobs mm -hmm. and immigrants are here to kill you and all of these things, how, how do you still elect this person? Because... All right, let me <laughs> let me take a step back and say, how about the people who voted for Trump who insist that they're not racist, who insist that they're not sexist, and that it's all about the economy and all of these things? Mm -hmm. Okay, if the left had had a candidate who was that insane, mm -hmm. I would have voted Republican. That's like you have to think about the country. And that's a thing I thought that's about. That's part of your right. So so much of if. If the rules were reversed and if the person... And I, I would argue that some people thought Hillary was at... I mean, uh, like, how much false equivocation did we see between Absolutely. Trump and Hillary? Oh my God, like, constant. the emails, the emails. Fuck, the... Oh, my God. The I, emails. I would say once a week, I just have, like, not a breakdown, but just a, like, are you, like... Are you kidding me? How did this happen? Well, the happen? emails were a very convenient way to cover up that they just didn't want to vote for her. No, it and was... And that's it. And... And it, so let's use any excuse we can. And I think, and I, I might have talked about this on the podcast before, but I, the closer the election we got, and I'm not, I shouldn't even say it, the entire time when, when the Bernie bros were at their full rowing. <laughs> I'll accept that as a verb. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's the shit that was going on with Hillary started to feel really personal to me. Um, because I, the things that were said about Hillary could 
easily be applied to me oh, or yes. most of the people I know and like. Oh, yes. So when people say she's a bitch or she's cold, uh, I'm not very cold. I'm obnoxious. Yeah, about. she's cold. She doesn't speak well. She doesn't, you know, she she just can't be good enough. There was never a chance for her to she be good enough. To be, to right, be she's enough. bossy. She just, oh, like, it just, she's an insider. Like, oh my God, she did everything right. Well, and she did everything right. She did anything most she was the most qualified woman who's ever qualified person who's yeah, ever, I agree. Ever, ever run for the office. And there was just something, I think my feminism in a real way, like reared its ugly head in the last, in 2016. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I, I also think there's, so, okay. When I was young and naive before November, <laughs> I know I didn't <laughs> think I was naive. No. And then I was like, Wow. Yeah, you just, there was another layer that was we're just on the couch, not yet broken, watching Hillary speak, yeah. crying into yeah. our wine. Happy days. Anyway, remember when we were optimistic? Uh, uh, barely. Um, what I had said was, I'm actually glad that Trump is the front runner and that Pence is his lackey because they aren't using. And they do use a lot of doublespeak and, and, and coded language, mm-hmm. but they are just flat out saying the shit that like your Paul Ryan's are saying a little more subtly. So uh, absolutely. So in my head, I was like, okay, this is best case scenario. So November comes and goes, Hillary wins, RIP, um, <laughs> and we can be like, hey, remember when you dick said you weren't racist or sexist? Yeah. This is what it looks like. This is what misogyny looks like. And I think there, I think racism and misogyny always come back to, well, I don't call women cunts and I don't use the N-word, mm-hmm. so I'm not racist or sexist. And it's not. That's not. That's not no, it. No, that's, that's not it. That's, and, that's not and it. And we talked about this so much when we worked together about like the weird shit that we would encounter like yeah, i yeah just like easy sexism easy, like very, very just like covert. settled right into and, it and you know? from our friends that was the hardest thing like from people we worked right, with right like young people young, young guys, liberal guys right who i mean there is something entrenched and you kind of have to always check yourself mm-hmm. and i think everybody should do that um but yeah things where you're like oh you just said that yeah and, and you're you my think, friend and, and you oh think that's God. appropriate or like oh you constantly talk over me in a meeting and <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> no names. Never. 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 Um, he or she would never listen never. to that, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like these, I these just panicked because once these. Francis listened <laughs> and once Richard listened. Oh, oh God. No. Oh God. Fuck. I'll cut all this part out. No, we won't. <laughs> I don't know how to edit. Um, but yeah, these kind of really subtle aggressions where you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh my God, like you won't stop talking over me mm-hmm. or you didn't include me on this email chain, but I was heading up the project or I carried out this significant project and the guys who helped me at the end then sent out an email saying, look what I did. That actually happened. I was like, oh, all right. I'm, I mean, I got the, um, you're, you sound too aggressive talk. Oh yes, you did. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, and granted again. Huge asshole, and no, I do acknowledge you're not that. Actually, professionally, you're no, not. I, I was, yeah, I was very firm in what I was doing, and I was fucking sick of repeating right. How myself. Dare you? Yeah, and I, when I was leaving my company, I said I called them out on that bullshit and said, if 
if I had written those exact same emails and I was the guy, you know they wouldn't have brought that shit to really? you. Really? See, I didn't know that. Oh, Your I, last days, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, my exit interview was 90 minutes long. Oh, you did tell me that your exit interview was a, a very... Serious exercise. Well, it was it was definitely for those of you guys who don't follow my life, which is the appropriate thing to be doing. (laughs) uh, I worked at a company for almost four years, and then they ended up eliminating my position under some pretty shady. Is this libel? Slander. Which ones? Which ones? Which? You should know. Slander was libel. Slander. One's spoken. Slander is spoken. Slander. Mm -hmm. I'm not using their name. and there was an element of there were almost no women in yes. in management or executive roles. I was one of the few, one of generally one of the only, I, I <laughs> my boss and I'll tell you off my coat was so my boss brought me out to dinner and said, "Do you think our company has a sexism problem?" And I was like, "Well, I will tell you that I have a like mental drinking game every time I'm the only woman in a meeting, which hmm. is like yep at least twice a day." And yeah. he was like, oh, I never realized that. I was like, no fucking shit. Well, yeah, there was, I know. First of all, that there was a time when you and I were the only women head of departments. Oh, my God. You're Do you remember right. that? It was us and I think one other person in Boston. And that was it. And I was like, I, me? Me? Like, I, I think I am doing a great job, but are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, there are we're... so many other women who could be promoted to take this person's job, this person's job. And the turnover rate was so high that it's not like there was a lack of opportunity. Well, yeah. And that was a conversation, my, and I hope this isn't too inside baseball, but I feel like this probably applies to a lot of workplaces. And God, I hope nobody from our company listens. I don't care. I've said this to their face. We're both gone. Yeah. Later. Um, that... Oof. Actually, I'm not going to say this on mic because it's kind of a shit thing to say, so I'll talk to you about it later. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but I will say there was an element of we did work with – we also worked with some incredible women. Like, oh, yeah. So yeah. smart and kind of after – Really talented people, mm-hmm. really motivated. Yeah, and after you left, we kind of cultivated this sort of girl gang. Yeah. Um, of these, yeah, you told me We that. would do a book club thing and just sort of talk about what it meant to mm-hmm. deal with this bullshit – I mean, it's the same thing you hear over, like, how many times can I hear, well, they told me I was going to get this promotion mm-hmm. this time, and then they didn't. Or I was supposed to get a raise, and now and it's I, been six months. And now it's been six months, and what am I supposed to do? And, of course, my answer is fucking tell, like, what do you mm-hmm. do? Why are you sitting in your desk right now? Like, I would be banging down their door and being like, hey, my dude, remember when you said this thing? Fucking yeah. follow through on it. Yep. Ugh. And see, but we both were like that, but it was... People shouldn't have to do that. I think, you know, a hundred percent. I think you hit the nail right in the head because I've had this conversation with people where they're like, oh, well, you've gotten promotions and you've gotten raises. I'm like, I'm not worried about me. No, I ask for raises and I ask for promotions. Always. You and I were really similar Mm -hmm. in that sense. Yeah. But like if some, but we're both really A type personalities and like, we're just like, I can't, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to, don't have time. I'm not going to let you talk over this person. My rent is due. Yeah. I need a little more money oh, here, and I'm, I am being paid less than this person. Yeah, who which happens to be a guy. Which no kidding. Did I tell you this aforementioned person? When I got promoted over him, I was still getting paid less than him. Yes, you did. Drinking my wine. Yeah, and this was not and an exemplary employee. <laughs> no. Um. So okay, enough talking about our covert job. Um, <laughs> let's get. Ba- oh, what I was going to say is. Oh, have you seen Get Out? This probably is. <gasps> yes. Okay, we're going to talk about that later, but it leads me to talk about, um, like, white 
liberal racism. Yes. Which I think is a super interesting... T- it was also okay. at our company, but... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. The worst. Actually, taking a step back from that, when we talk about liberal racism, which inarguably is there, and it's well-meaning people not quite figuring their shit out enough, do you think there is... Um, do you think we're distracted? Because there's overt racism. Mm-hmm. That's still very much alive and well in 2017. What do you think about... Because, I mean, I think liberals as a sort of rule do a lot of introspection. We do a lot of, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right words? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, so when Trump wins, there's how many think pieces did you read about what did liberals do wrong? How did we isolate middle America? How Which I do not feel like the right super did after say Obama won or won his second term. Um, but all, so all that's to say is I, I think liberals tend to be so like, what did I do wrong? Am I doing the right thing? Can I be better every single day? Which is again, a shitty overstatement because it's not like the GOP are necessarily bad people. Mm-hmm. But do you think when we talk about say white liberal racism, do you think that's just it's important because we should all be like as inclusive and everything as we can be, or do you think that's kind of shining the light where there, whereas it should be like, hey, guy who still thinks it's like appropriate to use the N word, or guy who like thinks black people are necessarily criminals, or right. makes a black guy the head of housing and urban development oh because. God. He's super qualified because he's a neurosurgeon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's room for both. I think that there is no shortage of space in a paper online. Mm-hmm. I think there's no shortage of space, and we need to be talking about all of it. Yeah, including white liberal racism, and if that includes introspection, I think that's great. And if that introspection doesn't uh, pisses off people of color, then yeah, we need to talk about that yeah. too and say, okay, oh my god. I meant well, and I'm still wrong. Mm-hmm. And not get defensive of our white liberalism. <laughs> yeah. And I, say, well, I'm a liberal, so I mean well. Okay, uh-huh. that's great, but your words are still shitty. Mm-hmm. Your actions are the same. Or it's these passive things that feel passive to us, but mm-hmm. feel absolutely aggressive and commonplace and just the same yeah. as any other brand of racism. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that really hits close to home when I think about, like, sort of feminism and the feminist movement, because obviously it's something I can relate to. So this person we talked about before who's constantly talking over people and just Mm -hmm. being the most mediocre he could ever be. I'm (laughs) such a bitch. But, like, this guy is also the first one to like any feminist thing I put up on Facebook. He's the first person to, like, make fun of mansplainers, quote, quote, quote. But like, Oh, God, he did it constantly. Always. And so... Tried to mansplain Harry Potter to me. Oh, you were so mad about that. Um, (laughs) I I forgot about that until right now. That was two years ago. I forgot about it until now. I must have blocked it out. But for everyone listening, do not question me on Harry Potter. He did mansplain serial killers to me. I I did not take that well. Serial killers to God. Oh my God. I'm not going to post this to anybody who ever has met us. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So anyway, there's just sort of a disconnect of people who mean well but do poorly. Yes. And that's hard because it's hard to be told, like, yeah, you're trying to do the right thing and you're failing. Like, that's not a nice thing to hear. But. You have to. You have to. Not only do you have to, but, like, okay, not only do I have to hear this, but I need to hear this. Yeah. And I've got to stop making excuses for myself Mm -hmm. or 
as, you know, whether it's about racism, sexism, xenophobia, mm-hmm. any of these major issues, you need to be checking yourself. And if Before somebody you're from what, yeah, so sorry, <laughs> so sorry. But if somebody from one of these groups tells you that what you said is offensive, you believe need to believe them. them. Because think about it, like as a woman, if a man says something like that's offensive and they get defensive, mm-hmm. I just want to slap them. Yeah. So it's okay if white liberals are a little hurt at first, but mm-hmm. then. Put I do, into action and rethink yourself. I do think that's always what it's about. Of, of if somebody tells you an experience in their life, you owe it to them to believe them. Yes, especially if they are a minority of any stripe. And absolutely, I, I think there's just, and I think people get so strung up in their own bullshit of, and especially when it's again, it's about big picture versus small picture of like, oh well. I'm a white college educated, you know, person with, mm-hmm. how come I'm not, I don't feel like I'm privileged, but there's, it's hard to get a, it's hard to get a big picture, especially when you're young, especially mm-hmm. when you don't have a ton of personal experience and, you know, not that we're like super old, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think I got on a tangent there. No, I think I think it's present everywhere, and I think that it also privilege does run on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. We are white liberal women who grew up in uh, the Chicagoland area, mm-hmm. went to universities, are able to Had do many things. Who were involved in our lives. Yeah, yeah, and so we have all these things, but we're still women. So there's this shit that we deal with. Yeah, that of course is a totally different experience than a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And every that needs to be recognized 100%. But then, oh my God, why am I paid less? Why do people make sexual comments about me at work? Why am I being constantly talked over? Why don't you believe me when I say somebody cat called me? Really? Yeah, really. Yeah. Why do you doubt this? Ugh, or just... why do you insist that women are equal just because you think so? Okay, thanks. It's, it's, I think, I feel like I say this a lot, but I think it always, always, always comes down to empathy. If you are not willing to listen and like really listen to somebody's story or their experience, and it ties back to like the women you met in, in Rio of like, instead of saying like, oh, you brought this upon yourself or you're a drug addict, so that means this about you. Right. And especially when, okay, I'm just going to do liberal rant all the way of like, (laughs) we talk about like, oh, black teens are into drugs or whatever bullshit people are saying. But like, I'm sorry, you remember the 80s, right? Because super everybody was like on cocaine, I think, for the whole decade. (laughs) But because they had already, it's just, it's just this infuriating. No, it's hypocrisy. And it's a a lack of empathy because yeah, constantly. The goalpost is constantly moved. And I've experienced that at every job. And mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. woman in journalism, too, I mean, talk about a boys club. And so many of these men, super talented, smart, deserving of their jobs, whatever. But, um, you know, the the teams that work in the morning news hours versus the evening news hours are very different. Ooh, I worked, tell me everything. This yeah. sounds like Uh-oh. really good gossip. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, um... I worked on a morning news show. Like a, a morning zoo type when they did sound effects. And no. Serious ones. <laughs> Thank God. No. <laughs> so fun though. 
oh, there were some things I did where I was like, I'm a journalist. This is killing me. This is killing me. To do those kind of uh, fluffy like pieces, fluff, but they, yeah. they rarely ran. Um, but <laughs> I was waking up at 3 a.m. And I get there, and I'm surrounded by women journalists. And isn't that cool? And then when I switched to evening hours to work on an evening news show, I was one of the only women in the newsroom. Those are great hours. You get to wake up at 10, get to have a little dinner there, go home. Oh, my yeah, God. it was really shocking. And I think I was somebody who was interesting to, to be able to see that because I worked both evening hours in a, a short period of time. I was switched to the evening. Thank God. I, I don't think I would have made it. Anybody who watches a morning news show, you have no idea how hard those people work and how exhausted they are yeah. constantly. It is totally bizarre to be commuting home at 11 a.m. Oh, my God. One of my best friends uh, does teleprompting for WGN morning news. Oh, yeah. And oh, I've run that prompter. That's a high-stress job, honestly. Yeah. It, like, it seems really silly and whatever, but no, it, it's actually like... She's really good at it, yeah. too. But, but she's been dealing with it like... She gets home from work at noon. Yeah, it's and so strange. And you're like, don't take a nap. Don't take a nap. And in the summer, when the sun sets at 9.30 yeah. and I go to sleep at the sound of children playing outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, but and I think that's such an, an amazing example of what are women... So, okay, so we see this... Di- right, so assuming, taking you at your word, I assume you're not lying to me. No, no. <laughs> I'm gonna fact check. So, so, so taking your head, you're so saying there's a majority of women in the morning show versus the evening show, and the evening show's the cake gig. Mm-hmm. So there's how many ways this can happen? Are all of the men better at their jobs, and that's why they get it, or are men asking for it and women aren't, um, or is there an inherent? assumption that the women are worse or is there an inherent assumption that women are more willing to rearrange their entire life for this garbage hourly yeah. job thing not that it's a good i mean you had a great no, job but, but, but you know what i mean really like these garbage hours yeah um i mean i think it's a um it's a little of everything but i don't think it's that women don't ask for those hours oh really because i have always been assigned to shows and that's generally how it goes because you get hired to work to fill at a, gap. a company, yeah. um, oh, but yeah, it's hired to fill a gap. But they will that it's really, really a tough world to work in TV because they can't say, "Hey, somebody just quit on the morning show. We need somebody who's also a senior producer," mm-hmm. and so that senior producer has to shift there. Yeah, and a lot of times they're women. That's so nice. Of them. So yeah, yeah, it's just really interesting. Or if a morning news show is a little sillier that's often staffed by women as if it's like, well, they understand kind of like silly woman humor and yeah. I don't know. And I mean, just like the wardrobe too, what these poor anchors have to wear and they're freezing. Well, they were, you know, sleeveless dresses. Actually working at Al Jazeera was like, Ooh, I'm kind of glad we're owned by a middle Eastern country because they get to wear blazers. They got to wear pants for God's sake. Um, But no, at at other networks, I mean, they're freezing. Studios are freezing. And these women in between, uh, during commercials will like put on jackets and then throw them off at the 32nd mark. Well, and I think that's such a good point to bring up. So when we talk about like uh, how does racism look in, or excuse me, how does sexism look in, in 2017? Um, it's one of, it's a small thing that it's really easy to ignore if it doesn't apply to you. But yes. I, so I just got hired a job that I, have to wear business attire, which is not it's, a, so, it's not a thing I'm emotionally prepared no. for. <laughs> no, it sucks. It's gonna be awful. Yeah. 
that's not true. I'm very excited about this job. It's just something that I'm oh, not slacks. ready for. But slacks. like men can that. men can own two or three suits. Mm-hmm. And I my husband had to wear suits for two years. You own two or three suits and change out the clo- the shirts and ties. Mm-hmm. And whereas women are expected to like especially in your Fox News world, like you have to be revealing but not slutty. Oh God, it's and so you're six every time I watch and it's not often, but every time I see clips from the Fox and Friends, when that girl is sitting on a fucking couch mm-hmm. with no desk in front of her and a short skirt, I'm like, oh sweetie, why? Like I it can't be so I'm, uncomfortable. You can't so rearrange your legs. At all. They're all slicked up with some sort of oil. I mean oh, they're so shiny. Yeah. No, I haven't experienced that personally, but um it looks like it, doesn't yeah, it? They're very so shiny. shiny legs. Oh and thank you. Don't, thank you. Don't say that about your legs. Your dull legs, <laughs> but but just little things like that that like women or the joke that's been made a zillion times and isn't original anymore. But like, oh, this man spent four hours in makeup to do this role every time, and right. women are like, yeah, that's just me. Like, if you want to see my face, like I have yep. to. Yep. If you want to see and my face and not be criticized, and women on TV, I mean, yeah, the ugh. guys go to makeup and it takes five minutes, and I mean mm-hmm. that's part of just the uh, appearance sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh my God, could you imagine like watching these on air reporters at four in the morning when I'm barely functional and they have to sit in a chair and have somebody tug at their hair and put pounds of makeup on and then, and then smile and, and smile, but also be intelligent mm-hmm. and talk about, but not real too intelligent issues. and you can't be too intelligent. <laughs> oh, well that's, or you'll turn off. Matt. That's fair. That's fair. But that I saw so many, so many wonderful, uh, female reporters just, I mean, everywhere. I, I've been really lucky to work with a lot of great people, both mm-hmm. men and women, but it's impressive. Well, and you also take, you know, uh, dressing a certain way, having your hair a certain way and in like off camera tech context, mm-hmm. people say, Oh, well, nobody, told them they had to wear makeup or do this or that and the other until you start to read studies about like women who don't wear makeup you know women who are they're hired less or women with straight hair are seen as more professional or when to get jobs like well that's that's sexist that's racist my god it's it's everything and that's why i think I, I've just had this argument with so many people about it and i feel like it always comes back to like oh it's all in your head you know what I mean? Oh, of yeah. like, this oh, is the way you're, you're playing the victim. It. And that's, oh, in like anti-feminist women, mm-hmm. quote fingers. Oh, God, fuck them. Um, fuck them the most of all. But when they say, I choose not to be the victim, I do understand Ugh. what they're trying to say. But that's not... I just feel like it's, it's saying, that's not I choose not to care that I have to work so much harder to get less. I choose or when they, to not be bothered or I choose to ignore our reality or I choose to ignore the generations of women who came before me who fought tooth and nails so I could have this right to have a job or like wear pants in public which there were riots over I wear skirts twice a year I just I just just bought two skirts I'm real nervous about it I'm not a skirt gal get some tights makes everything I bought everything oh yeah all the tights um (laughs) but um yeah, I mean, I guess in conclusion, fuck everything. I don't know. Like that's that's, just, that's all. Anytime I talk to anybody or talk to Hammett, I just feel like shit. I feel <laughs> no, no. Also, I, it's, I understand that. It's and looking at those pictures of Trump 
surrounded, like his cabinet is oh, almost all white men. Yeah. And anytime just, he signs a bill, anytime he no. Oh, and the shit with the the traditionally black colleges and universities. Oh my god, so disrespectful. So and like the Kellyanne Conway thing was garbage, but like the fact that they came in for a specific reason, they came in to be yes. heard and to speak to and the they were president, lied to. and they were lied to, and, and now they, they just were have a, a smiling picture, and they were a fucking Absolutely. prop yes. for for this photo opportunity. So yep. Trump can say like, see, I have more than two black friends. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, it's a total nightmare. It's it's a circus, and it's terrifying, and I think we can't allow it to be normal. Yeah. And uh, honestly, the thing that's keeping me sane is you look at the news every day, you study what's going on, you look at the legislation itself, mm-hmm. you... if. If you're a private citizen, you call your representatives, you make yourself feel like you are really doing something, and you are. I just think that all of this lying and all of this these distractions, um, I think we should actually pay attention to the way they're trying to distract us. Do you think... Okay, Because he made the Russia story bigger by then accusing the uh, President the Obama of wiretapping. Like, well, you just made it bigger. Shit, I mean, that's an insane lie. The lies are absolutely insane, but what but, he managed to do was make the story bigger. And thank you very much. I, because now so you're encouraging Congress to look into it even further. Well, and that's a well, question okay. I've always had is like, is Trump an evil genius or is he a fucking <laughs> buffoon? I honestly don't know sometimes. I don't know. I, with absolute sincerity, I don't know. So like when he's tweeting about SNL or whatever, yeah. is he really trying to distract us from something? Because that's you see a lot of thought pieces, right? About like what the Trump tweets are really distracting you from. Yeah. And those aren't wrong. There's a lot of bogus shit Absolutely that's being passed right lots now. lots of diversion. But is that... Trump being like a mastermind or is that Trump being a child and like I think he's kind of utilizing easy tactics that he's used before Mm. um, in business where it's easy to kind of you know fake left um, or in this case fake right I suppose (laughs) Um, but I had wine in my mouth (laughs) I wanted to make that joke so hard and I Ah, stole it perfect Um, (laughs) so I think that there's definitely some diversion tactics that um can be easily applied, but he, it's not brilliant. Like he made the Russia story bigger. Yeah. Uh, he's inviting criticism constantly, but the problem is that his base takes him seriously. His, I'd say that's one problem. I would say the larger problem is that the, the house and Congress are putting party over country. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that I, and I've said this a million times, history is not going to nope. treat these men kindly. No, it's not going to be because when you look back, so, and Trump, I think, really foolishly linked what he is accusing President Obama of to Watergate, which is, yeah, which is right. fucking bonkers. <laughs> He's already walking around the White House at night like Nixon, just like staring Wait, at paintings is that a in thing? his rope. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know yes. much about Nixon. Oh yeah. He completely lost it and was like talking to himself and walking <sighs> around at night. Which Trump is already doing, and it was like two weeks in when the oh, report Jesus first came Christ. out. Um, but linking to Watergate, because the difference there is the people who were investigating it were of Nixon's own party. It wasn't mm-hmm. like the opposition was jumping on it. It was people who were putting their government, putting their country over their bullshit party allegiances. Mm-hmm. And now we're just seeing like these fucking limp-dicked, <laughs> spineless bastards yep. in the GOP who are just a puddle for him and will do anything he says. And it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing for every single person involved. I completely it's, agree. And it's like, okay, senator is one thing. 
Yeah. Congressperson is another. Is this the level of power you're tripping over? Every two years, you're, uh, you're another. You have to win your job back. Yeah. This is the level of power that you're willing to sell out your country for? You're oh, a congressperson. You are one of 435 people. Most people don't know your name. You're trying to make a name for yourself by supporting this president just so you can keep this amount of power? Oh, that's an interesting point. I would have thought the opposite of like, you're a senator. Like, maybe take your shit seriously. Oh, senator, for a no, minute. senator different. Senator is different. Senator every six years. No, no but that's what I'm saying. Like, toss. I would yeah. say that, like, a, we should be saying, like, really to a senator who's like, Really, oh, no. you Senators have so to, much responsibility yeah. on your plate, and yep. this is. But that makes sense that there's not. Yeah, fuck, man. Yeah, everything's the worst. So you know what? If there's so much about party and uh, being reelected, if congressional investigations, which are happening, uh, go forward and begin to expose a very dark truth about the election, well, they'll switch right over. What do you? And then all Democrats will have to do is air an ad with their face, and the last time they supported Trump in a date. I don't and, know. Well, I know me either, but I this is something because I, look at, I tell myself at night. The thing is, like the twenty sixteen elections were untenable. Like there were, I mean, I was, and I've heard this from a lot of other people who are are in my sort of group, like mm-hmm. emotionally. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but like other white yes, liberals. Yes, yes. Like liberal, youngish liberal yeah. people who election day, I wore a fucking red blazer to work yeah. and was like this. I invited people over to like, I invited mm-hmm. my friend over and his husband to like watch the results and I was drinking wine. And at one point, oh my God, my poor, bless my poor husband's heart. Cause he was just like sitting on the couch. It was like 10 PM. He wanted to be in bed already. And I was on my hands and knees in front of the TV <laughs> yelling, no, 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 no. And just yeah. got slugging wine. Like it was my, I was, I was inconsolable. Why did I bring that Stunned. up? Is it because I just want to talk? We just about need myself? to talk through it. Yeah, <laughs> you do kind of. Um, but oh, but but all that's to say, like leading up to the election, I was so fucking cocky because I Trump know. didn't do a single thing right. You know? Right, it was like okay, people see this though, right? Yeah, like people we're all this. watching the same no, dick bag, we right? Were, we were very wrong, and embarrassingly, well, you know, no, it was a little embarrassing that night. I was watching with my sister, and we were in this apartment, and <laughs> this my wonderful apartment, brilliant sister Ellen, just started getting quiet a lot earlier than I did. And I feel so dumb that like, I I was still texting people. I was like, it's a little closer than I want it to I, be. Oh God. But you and know, it's still okay. We're still waiting on, and, and looking back on it, I had friends who were like, oh, I knew it like eight. I'm like, I was holding on till 1030. Oh my God. I, I can't believe it. I have looked back at texts that I sent and probably oh, so to you if I'm yeah. being honest. I think we were texting and then there went furious. Radio silent. But I was like, literally like nine. I was like, I'm just still concerned that Trump isn't going to concede. Like, what fucking right? haughty assholes we I know. were. I know. But the, but it's also because we uh, believed in sense and that, um, again, I think from our perspective as people in cities, mm-hmm. white, educated, mm-hmm. we were like, the country can't be this Empathetic. ugly. Can't be this Friends ugly. Friends with people of different yeah. ethnicities. Yeah. You know. And we were humans. totally wrong. So wrong. The country is uglier than we thought it was. Do you, it... Oh God! It was like a slap in the face. So, do you? Th- what do you think in the next few years? Do you think there is going to be an immediate backlash from Trump, or do you think we are going to be 
in the trenches for a little bit regarding backlash from Trump. What do you mean? Um, so like, so say 2020 roll or even 2018 oh rolls God. around. And yeah. do we think that there, cause I mean, there's definitely been talk of like the one silver lining to the Trump nightmare is that, um, more young people are like, oh shit, I need to get involved. Or more liberals are like, oh, yeah. okay, just because I'm all of the people I know are at yeah. least reason. And honestly, the reason I was so fucking cocky about about a Hillary victory is that most of the conservatives in my family voted for Hillary. Interesting. The people, and that's why I was so goddamn cocky. My mother-in-law, my folks, I don't know about I really don't know my mom's political opinions, <laughs> but my dad for certain has voted conservative since the seventies. Um, and my mother-in-law similar. And they're both like, no, this guy's a fucking right. So you saw common sense human. prevailing. And I thought that's what would who carry are the day. opposed to right. the left agenda. And so you're like, okay, no, I, I understand that. Um, and I felt the same way. So the next few years, I mean, I think that it's going to be a huge fight and mm. that they're going to be, legislation passed that are, I mean, really detrimental and really scary. Um, But you've, you've got to fight. I mean, it's our country. I I never, my patriotism has been both killed and then revived again because this is my country. I can't. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect, like people like Limo Miranda the day after the election, people were saying like, Oh, are you going to, are you going to move to Canada? He's like, no, we have shit to do here. Like, I love him. Oh my God. Could I love him more? I don't think so. Oh, did you see Hamilton? No, I wasn't able to see it. And it's so good. Listen, I lived in New York and every single day I lived there without seeing Hamilton, I felt like a failure. So the whole time I was there, I was just like, Oh, I mean, I seen it yet. The tickets were insane. Well, I saw it on a matinee on a Wednesday and it's only because my aunt has like early, this is not interesting. Anyway, Hook me up. It's no because I just yeah. Awesome. It's so good. No, you know what? Honestly, when I was planning out my next project, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you're like, I'm, gonna, I'm very, very secretive about it. <laughs> but I was listening to the Hamilton soundtrack, and I was like, no, no, no what? I, no, like I do not <laughs> no accept. What? I do not accept this. I will not let this go by, and I also will not give up. And also, if Lin Manuel Miranda can create this epic peace over six years and it really is about the founding of our country yeah no and it just was inspiring so if you're listening oh my god what if you listened what would i even i don't know i'd probably cry for many days oh my god just his he's so earnest he's constantly kind and wonderful and and he's a big fan of a podcast i'm a big fan of my brother my brother and me oh yeah you talked to me about that anytime he's on tv he like does a little like signal to people who listen to that he's just like a fucking doll and i want to hang out with him and (laughs) and and he did karaoke with a at like a bim bam meet a my brother movie I'm sorry, I'm just really excited because (laughs) you're going to understand why I'm so excited. Okay. Um, He went to New York. He lives in New York. Yeah. As one is wont to do when they're little Miranda. He went to a My Brother, My Brother and Me meetup Mm -hmm. and he karaoke'd. And guess what? He karaoke'd. I don't know at all. Ignition Remix. (gasps) Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Jessica and I worked together and every single Friday (laughs) she would send me... <laughs> okay, so we had some technical difficulties exactly as we were both yelling into the microphone. <laughs> yes, we were. So there was no way to pretend we could cut it in and no. like act like I know what I'm doing at all. Oh, you do. I mean, Hemant gives me all this equipment and it's like, oh my God, a wing and a prayer that I can make sounds work. <laughs> it's um, a setup. It's so a setup. Finish, finish your thought vis a vis 
Oh, you? Yes. Okay. Because it's (laughs) dumb. Okay. No, it's wonderful. Jessica and I worked together for a few years, and every single Friday, she would G-chat me a link to Chicago's own R. Kelly's Ignition Remix. It's just... Just like, welcome to the weekend. It's... It was my (laughs) official Friday song. It was. And she took it very seriously. It really did. (laughs) It did. Because it was a symbol... It was a transition. And also we did start drinking in her company at like four o'clock. We did, yeah. We did. And it was and the problem was like I once I started once I was a manager, I would play it out loud in the office. Oh yeah, you had run on that place. <laughs> but there would still be people right like trying like, to get their shit desperately done. Writing. And I was like, I don't sorry, guys. Listen, you're not getting away to my Friday. <laughs> this is Jessica's time. Okay. Exactly. Anyway, so that was a dumb anecdote about how I'm the worst to work with. No. Um, wonderful. wonderful. We did have so much fun together. Yes, we really did. We used to um we're just gonna reminisce at this point. Because if yeah. somebody's made it fucking an hour and fifteen minutes into this, we used to have garbage time. Oh yeah. So if we would book a um, we just used to book conference rooms oh, yeah, we did and make that. up titles for them and we would just have lunch together. Well, but my... <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not parse it. That's what we were doing. Well, no, more often it was like, I booked this conference room for an hour and the oh, meeting yes. lasted 20 minutes. Like, Do you want to come join me? Let's it's garbage yeah, time. I'm on my way. I'm bringing yeah. my laptop. Yeah. yeah. That was good times. Uh, I feel it like really it's was. hard to really marry that story that we just told to the fact that women didn't do well at our company. <laughs> You're like, well, yeah, they were always in conference rooms having lunch. Like, <laughs> 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 Nobody ever no. To be fair, <laughs> all of our male coworkers were on Facebook just all day. It's fine. Oh, yeah, come on. It's yeah. modern office. Modern office. Okay. So I guess we have to wrap this up because it's been going on for 17 hours. Whoops. Yep. Um, so, Anne. Yes. If my listeners, for whatever reason, have listened to this whole thing. Thank you. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have the hardest time recording with my friends because I just it's like dedication. I mean, I just lose all professionalism <laughs> and I forget. Like, I'm gonna listen to this in 30 years and be like, Jessica, you're a fucking idiot. Like, I don't think so. Stop yelling for a second. Anyway, um, so Anne, yes, <laughs> friendly atheist listeners want to find out more about you or read any of your pieces. Do you do you have a website? I do. Okay. You can wow. find me at annbolano.com. Go ahead and spell that. I'm gonna. A-N-N-E-B-O-U-L-E-A-N-U.com. I didn't change my name as a journalist because I forgot. <laughs> Did you I put to? out my first piece and I was like, ooh, oh, I shit. really made that choice. Okay. All Did, right. Wait. I could have gone by my middle name. What's your Hudson? Oh, no, it would have been great, right? But I didn't, you know. That is the whitest white girl name I've ever heard. Exactly. Anne Bologna's like, where is she from? Is that French? America. Exactly. People always think it's French. It's Romanian. Romanian. Yeah. Yeah. You have a Romanian family. Oh, yes. Yeah, we talked about that. Okay. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) thank you for doing this. Thank you so much, Jess. This was, I mean, we've had to do this like four different times because I was deathly sick the first time we were going to do it. Yes, yeah. And then I fucked up twice. It's just all in the name of the podcast, guys. She's so dedicated. (laughs) I just, I really like to showcase my friends who are incredibly talented and and super cool. And um, good luck on your next project, Anne. Thank you. It's been so wonderful to have me on. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just cut? Thanks, Jess. No, no, no.
It's been so wonderful to it's have. It's been wonderful to be here. Oh, there it is. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, no. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> You're welcome, Anne. Um, you guys, you can... Uh, <laughs> she's dead. She's gone. Um, you guys can always find us at Friendly Atheist Podcast. Dot com. I think we sell shirts and shit. Um, you can, if you want to buy my dumb cross stitches, they're at, um, they're at, I don't know, uh, st- uh, bitches get stitched done. And they're good. On Etsy. Oh, thanks, boo boo. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I've, I love doing this and bye.